this is Carrie Peters and Stacey Morgenstern. And welcome to Better Than Ever, a Health Coach Institute podcast, where we're here to question how we do life because the normal rules no longer apply. Hey guys, Hannah Duncan here from the Dream Team, welcoming you to another episode of Better Than Ever. This week, to go along with our love-themed February, we are joined by Carrie Peters. She is the co-founder of Health Coach Institute. She's also a passionate advocate for those dealing with eating disorders, postpartum depression, and is a body activist for women and moms of all ages and sizes. Together, we are looking back on the most recent HCI Live in San Diego, where she shared her personal turning point. Here's a clip from that. If I hadn't made the decision to move forward at key turning points in my life, I might not be here with you right now. So after I, um, I'm going to share a couple of the key turning points. After I got married two years ago, anyone married? (laughs) Anybody want to be married? Anybody say, no, I do not want to be married? I understand you. I understand you. Aspiring for divorce? Yeah. (laughs) Anyone aspiring for divorce? (laughs) (laughs) So at 39 years old, I got married, which... I don't think that's unusual, but I think in society it seems unusual. Like, oh, 39, aren't you? Isn't it too late? Um, type of thing. And then I thought it was too late at 40. I turned 40 two weeks after my wedding. And I thought it was too late to get pregnant. But it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, so my husband was so excited. I was in tears. I was devastated. I was not excited about having a child. I was beyond devastated. And he was so excited. And what I noticed is that, you know, I thought, well, maybe I'll have kids. Maybe. I was ambivalent about it. I could see, like, maybe I would. And then I would think, no, I won't. But as I got closer and closer to my wedding, and I knew I knew my husband was someone who loved kids, I, I got viscerally more terrified. And was like, no, no. I'm a no. I can't have no, no, no. And basically, two weeks before we got married, he said to me, I, I don't think you want to have children. And I was too afraid to say he was right. Mm. And he said, well, you know, it would be lovely if you changed your mind, but I love you. And we're going forward. We're both the same age. And uh, so it was a surprise when two and a half months later, I got knocked up. <laughs> and we were not trying. And I'll tell you, pulling out doesn't work. Don't do it. until it doesn't work. <laughs> so it, it was a shock, like I said. I mean, it was a real struggle. Um, it, it was a struggle emotionally. It was a struggle physically. During my pregnancy, I gained 57 pounds. Anyone? Anyone? Yeah? Okay. You feeling me? Um, that was hard on me in a number of ways. Um, first, I mean, this wonderful community, at the same time this was happening, Health Coach Institute was starting to take off, and I had never been more visible in my life, ever. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, why is this happening right now? Why did I get knocked up right now? This can't possibly be happening right now. I am literally one of the faces representing a health coaching school And how am I supposed to do that when I have 57 pounds of baby weight and a baby and trying to adjust to these crazy changes in my life? And then I thought, wait a minute. One thing I do know is that spirit, God, universe, that which is greater than you, however you refer to that, doesn't make mistakes. And when I said that to myself, (laughs) I said that to myself, I was like, okay, so... Having a baby right now is not a coincidence. This is supposed to be happening. This is happening for a reason. And I think a big part of that reason is that one of the biggest struggles I've had in my life has been with my body and the way I look. So one of the things we teach at HCI is that beauty is a decision and that the more you decide to 
embody who you are and celebrate what is, that that's what makes you magnetic, that that's what makes you radiant, that that's what makes you beautiful and confident. So in this time period, I'm pregnant, I'm representing HCI, I'm realizing I'm being given an opportunity here. I am being given an opportunity to make the decision to be beautiful like at an even deeper level. This is an opportunity to embody this teaching more than I ever have, to live into the belief that beauty is not about body size, beauty is not about perfection in any way. And I saw that the universe was going, hey, big turning point for you, right? To finally free myself of any remaining chains around weight or body image. And I made the decision to step in, to jump in, to step into my spotlight, say yes to my beauty right now. I'll show you what that looks like in a moment, even beyond the dress. Um, But I want to tell you a little bit about how I got to a place of body confidence. Because this is something that's important for us, for our clients. You may have heard me mention my challenges with binge eating. And... It was one of the things that led me to health coaching, but I've never really shared about what that eating disorder was like for me. And I realized because of my experience with pregnancy, oddly, pregnancy broke open a whole lot for me, not just my vagina. (laughs) So here I am pregnant, I'm getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and what's weird about that is you can't stop it. You can't stop it. You know, when you're in your normal life, you go, oh, well, I'll eat a little less or I'll exercise a little more or whatever. But no, it's just going. Everything's changing. Your wrists are bigger, your feet, just everything, right? And you just have to sit there and go, oh my God, this is happening and I can't do anything about it. The universe is offering me this massive turning point. And it's so massive because you could kind of say I had a date with this turning point ever since I binged on a pint of Ben and Jerry's chocolate fudge brownie frozen yogurt, CFB. I ate it so much I had a nickname for it. Didn't even need to say the full name, CFB. So for many years, I had a a secret eating disorder. I didn't tell anybody about it. And like so many of us women, my relationship with food and my body was complex. And that's an understatement. Because as we know, there are ridiculous and insane pressures, societally and otherwise, on women to be small, to weigh less, right? Of course, there's a whole, you know, we could look at that metaphysically and talk about that, encouraging women to take up less space in every sense of the word. We could have that conversation. But that's a whole other topic. And there's, no wrong, there's nothing wrong with a woman who is small. It's the idea that all women should be, yeah? So even as a kid, I somehow internalized that if I didn't fit into that ideal, then that was a statement of my worth as a human being. And I remember when I was in third grade, I had just started in a new grade school. Did anyone ever go to change grade schools? You'd be like, oh, I want to fit in, I want to fit in. And one of my new friend who lived in my neighborhood, and she's still one of my best friends today, God bless her, she's a skinny white girl. She is a skinny white girl. You know what I'm talking about? Skinny. So for those of you who don't know me yet, I'm half Lebanese and half Syrian. Anyone Lebanese, Syrian, anyone? Yes, anyone else? The the only three wonderful people in the room. (laughs) So I'm sort of white. (laughs) And I'm sort of not white. And as a little third grader, I saw my little white skinny friend get these pair of guest jeans, and they were brand new, and they were the coolest, tiniest jeans anyone had ever seen. And you know, spandex wasn't in jeans in the 80s. They didn't, that didn't happen yet. So I wanted a pair too, so I could be cool, so I could fit in. I begged my mom to take me shopping. She finally did. I went into the dressing room. I'm like, guest jeans, oh my God. I take off my pants. I put on the guest jeans, and they stopped right here. And they were my size. And I could not pull them over my thighs. And I was devastated. Devastated. I did not fit. What that said to me was, I don't fit. And I decided in that moment that I was hideous and ugly. That I had to be smaller to be acceptable. And on top of that, um, if you're from any kind of Mediterranean family, Italian, anyone... So food is a sport in families <laughs> from that area, right? You don't, you don't 
walk away from the table unless you're rolling away from it. Because that's just what you do. Everyone's arguing and eating copious amounts. And if you try to stop eating, your grandmother is going to look at you like you just knifed her in the back. Well, you didn't like it? It wasn't good enough for you? So feeling like horribly full and uncomfortable was actually quite normal for me. (laughs) In fact, that feeling started to become like a, a form of comfort and a form of feeling like I was at home. And in my home, my parents were wonderful. I was so lucky. I had a wonderful childhood in so many ways. And in the emotional support arena, not so much. Lovely people. Uh, my parents, they tend to see things in black and white. You know, people who say, well, it's this. It's that. And there's no in between. There's no nuance. There's no discussion. It's just what it is. And that's kind of how they saw me as a person. So beyond those initial impressions of who they thought I was, um, they didn't really know me. And consequently, I didn't really know me. So uh, you may be surprised to hear that my family nickname was Space Cadet. Yes. I was the airhead. I was the one that lacked common sense. I was, I lost things. I just, no one took me seriously in my family. I wasn't really recognized for being creative and artistic. Yes, but very, very smart, very, very capable. That was not on the table for me and my family. So this disconnect between who I was told I was and who I actually was really left me confused and and honestly depressed. Although I couldn't articulate that when I was a child. But when I was a senior in high school, I was 17 years old. I was staring down, leaving home for college, and I was unprepared emotionally. I was so unprepared. I was terrified. I was numb. It was the single hardest thing I had faced in my life because I didn't know myself. And here I was in high school. I was homecoming queen. I was lead of the plays. I was all this. I had constructed this like perfect all-A student girl persona, happy popular girl, and everything like that I you know, did every day was in my control, a known quantity, and here was my persona that I put on every single day and I was comfortable with it and I was facing going to college where I knew nobody I didn't know who I was I didn't know what I was doing everything was out of my control and unknown completely paralyzed with fear because I had no idea how I was going to cope with it so one night a few months before I was supposed to leave for college I was eating a bag of microwave popcorn I honestly think it was around not maybe when it came out this was 1992 I don't know if it had been around for a while by then but anyway you know when you overcook it and it like smells funny and kind of burns your hands and whatever So I'm eating it very calmly, and as if things were rational, there was a part of me that said to me, this makes me feel good. This is survival. This is comfort. This is a coping. This is a way to do life. And that was the very moment that I became a binge eater. Turning point. No? Needless to say, I gained a little weight in college. I lived in a great apartment, happened to be right next to a grocery store, which was perfect for a secret binge eater. So for lunch, I would go there to grab Kraft macaroni and cheese and a two-liter bottle of Diet Coke, which I would have both of them while I watched all my children during lunch, right? And then I would go to my next class and grab two bean burritos from Taco Bell in the university cafeteria, another two-liter of Diet Coke, maybe Dr. Pepper, always second choice. Diet Dr. Pepper, always diet. And then at night, it was always Ben and Jerry's chocolate fudge brownie frozen yogurt, but of course it was frozen yogurt because that's healthy, right? (laughs) So I had no idea at the time that I was self-medicating. I had no idea how the food I was eating was impacting me. I didn't know that it was like putting fuel on the fire of my anxiety and fear. I had no idea. I just was trying to comfort myself over the fact that I felt totally out of control that everything was out of my control and I was away from home. And the truth was, even though I couldn't identify it at the time, being an actress, and for those of you who don't know me, I was a professional actress for uh, 15 years. It didn't suit me. And I was in a theater conservatory for school. It was too much extroversion. I'm an introvert. Any introverts? Oh, welcome. You are among your people. (laughs) So it was just too much. Outside, I had to go alone and I couldn't. I had no idea who I was. I wasn't grounded. I wasn't inside myself. So if you're spending days trying on personalities and trying to impress people and impress teachers and look at me, I can do this and tap dance. It was just expanding the void that I felt inside. And I tried to fill that void with food. 
I didn't want to do drugs. I wasn't super into drugs. I didn't want to smoke. I didn't want to have sex with a bunch of people. I was way too like goody two shoes. So that left food. So eating until I was uncomfortably full was something I could control, something I could do for myself, and it was the only way I knew how to manage my anxiety until my senior year of college when we had a class called Acting for the Camera. Has anyone ever had to put themselves on video? Yeah? How did it feel the first time you you saw? (laughs) Yeah, right? So the first day of class, I had to get on camera and I had to say, hey, I'm Carrie Peters and blah, blah, blah. They're trying to teach me how to get work. And then I had to turn around and I had to watch it. And I dissolved into hysterical tears in the classroom with all 15 of my classmates. Hysterical. Why did I look hideous in my mind when all the other girls looked pretty and skinny? And I literally had to look away in disgust with how much I hated how I looked. And this wasn't totally new because I couldn't really look at pictures of myself without feeling like self-loathing, like a visceral response of disgust, like, ugh. And now it was just elevated to deeper to a moving picture of me on a camera versus a static picture of me. And I freaked out because I was like, but my dream is to be a working actress. I've got to be on a camera. What am I going to do? So I did Weight Watchers. You get a point, and you get a point, and you get a point. (laughs) (laughs) And it worked for a while, as it does. And I remember putting on size 8 jeans and going, oh, wow, oh, my gosh. But here's something really interesting. As soon as someone noticed that I had lost weight and they said it to me, they said, oh, you look like you've lost weight. I freaked out. And I gained it back. And I could never keep it off. It was always lose and then gain, lose and then gain. Why? Because back in that dressing room, when I was a third grader who couldn't fit into skinny guest jeans, I had decided that I was fat and hideous and ugly. So in my early 20s, that decision was still running. So I had to fit what I believed myself to be. So my fear of being smaller and having people notice me was actually way bigger than my desire to lose weight. And this went back and forth for years. Years, actually almost 20 years I was thinking about it. And even though I started to suspect I had a problem, I was not ready to admit it to myself. I was not going to say it to anyone else. Uh, I found a book. Have you ever ever read Overcoming Overeating? I was like, I love this book. This book is my Bible. And I used it, and I I lost weight, and guess what happened? Someone said to me, You look great. great." And then what happened? I, right. So I, in my late 20s, I gained and lost the same 20 pounds, probably 20 times with multiple diets, all kinds of exercise regimes, binging that never stopped. And after the years of abuse, guess what finally said, F you, my tummy. My stomach was like, you better stop what you're doing. You are killing me with this food that you're eating. And so I went to a gastroenterologist and he said to me, well, you have IBS, you're going to have to take Zelnorm for the rest of your life. And I was like, what? And I'm a rebel, thankfully. So when someone tells me you're going to have to do X, I go, well, do I? Maybe I don't. Are you sure? And I question it. And so I started actually changing how I ate. Just little by little. Little by, I was like, I'm gonna figure this out myself. And my interest in health grew, my interest in nutrition grew, I started to feel better, I started to really come into a place where I was like, okay, something's up here, I I think I need to make some changes. And then my sister Erica Sheets, who you may or may not know, I don't know if she's in the room, she sent me a profile about someone called a health coach. And I didn't know what a health coach was at the time, I'm like, what the hell's a health coach? This was in 2003. But something about that profile resonated with me, it was like like a lifeline, you know? And I also thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. Me, a health coach, that's completely freaking crazy. One, because I'm an actress, and what would that mean for my career if I became a health coach? And two, who am I to be coaching someone on health when I have a secret shame that I've not admitted to myself or to anyone else? That is impossible. How am I going to help someone else? That can't be. But there was this little teeny part of me, and I know now it's my intuition, saying to me, no, you're on to something something that's really right for you. Go forward. And that part of me took over, and before I knew it, I had enrolled in a health coach certification training, and there I was going, oh my God. Which was great, but I continued wrestling with that eating disorder while I was in school afterwards for several years. I tried giving up gluten. I gave up gluten, but not sugar. 
And that's how I justified it. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll still eat sugar because I gave up gluten. That's very normal. I mean, noble. I ate more vegetables. I'm like, I'm eating vegetables. And then I'd binge on Trader Joe's dark chocolate, sea salt, almonds, crack, cocaine, anyone in a box, anyone? Right? And I'm like, okay, I'm not an addict. I'm going to give up sugar for a year. And I did it. And then I put on size six pants. And of course, what happened? Gained it back. Freaked out, gained it back, back to a size 10, beating myself to a pulp, like literally started more chronic dieting, more over-exercising to the point where Stacy got to witness the lovely, <laughs> I was a size four, four, I'm an eight normally, um, or eight maternity, depends. Um, and, uh, and my hair started to fall out because I was just going so hard. Uh, and that was the only time when I looked at a photograph of myself, I remember when I was a size four and I was like, that's not totally horrible, but I still need to lose weight. And I had friends tell me, stop, don't lose any more weight. Friends in Los Angeles, that's where I lived. Normally they'd be like, let's do this detox with me. Let's not eat for 10 months. And they were like, no, you can't, don't do that anymore. And actually, what I told myself is, and I worked as an actor, I worked in commercials all the time and did theater, but I wanted my TV series. And I decided, well, I'm too fat. That's why I'm not getting my TV series. I blame my body. I blame my weight. Rather than acknowledging, I actually hated the lifestyle of an actor. Any actors in the room? I love actors. I just hate the lifestyle. Because basically, you have no control over your life, or I didn't know that I could at the time. Uh, and I, I hated being broke. I hated having to drop everything and run to try and get jobs. And it dawned on me, actually, what I didn't hate, what I really started to like, and what I was really good at was my new day job, which was this thing called coaching. So I realized, oh my gosh, wait, I can have my own business. I can set my own goals and accomplish them and do whatever I want for the first time in my life, be financially supported, have a sense of freedom. And then I started thinking, well, what do I want? Who am I? What do I want my life to look like? Now, for a long time, I, I barely been able to admit this eating disorder to myself because I was so ashamed. So, of course, I couldn't admit it to anyone else either. But this was a period that I had entered into of self-discovery. A lot of you are here, right? In this period of self-discovery, of exploration, of awakening, of looking deep inside to see what's in there and what's wanting to come out. And what I realized was wanting to come out was the truth. I mean, people who had known me, my close friends I've known for 20 and 30 years, a very small group of very close friends, but I never told them about it, ever. So I didn't, even my closest friends I didn't even let in. I didn't let them know me. So I kept myself isolated, and that shame uh, get to breed in isolation. But then in this time, I decided, you know what? I think I want to start letting people in. And I began to share about what was going on for me with this eating disorder. I remember I told my one best friend from third grade, and she said, looked at me and said, oh, Carrie, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. She's known me for 30 years, you know? So once I started, that was the first time, and then pretty soon I was talking about it with our students, and pretty soon it was just out in the open, and it was just falling away. This shame, this loathing, this... I started working with a stylist, who, a clothing stylist, who informed me, oh, by the way, you have an hourglass figure. You're not fat. Just most clothes in most stores aren't going to fit you because they're not cut for this. So she taught me how to shop and how to honor curves and make them beautiful and buy beautiful clothes and feel fabulous um, in a curvy body. And that was a total revelation. And I could start to look at pictures of myself and not cringe and, in fact... I even started to enjoy the curves on my body. I started to enjoy my Middle Eastern face. <laughs> Lebanese goddess was my theme for many, many years. <laughs> so I worked on this. And it turned out that when I wasn't living in isolation, when I wasn't hiding away what I thought was shameful about me, that I could start to see myself as attractive. I could see myself as beautiful. What a turning point. So I've developed an entirely new appreciation. There's no way I could have stood here in this dress 10 years ago, even six or five. 
some of my coaches are here, maybe they're like, more like three. <laughs> so the intense pain of that eating disorder and hating myself from hiding it from everyone, it's gone. The, the thinking about food 24 hours a day and dieting and weight loss and is my stomach sticking out and checking myself in the mirror constantly and is this imperfect, is that imperfect, do I have a back roll, is there cellulite? Yes! <laughs> yes, all of that. <laughs> Especially after having a baby, right? So if I get frustrated now, and sometimes I do, because it's been a year, my daughter's one, and I think, man, this takes a long time. And if I'm still in maternity clothes, but I decided if I'm buying maternity clothes, I'm buying beautiful, gorgeous, stunning maternity clothes. Yeah. If I'm going to have, bless you, bless you, whoever gave me these boobs, my daughter, <laughs> if I'm going to have them, I'm going to get beautiful lingerie. I'm going to adorn what this is. Because this is what is. This is my body. I'm going to celebrate it. And in fact, one day this past July, well, I had thought, have you guys ever done a little photo shoot for someone you love? A little naked photo shoot? <laughs> so my goal was to do that for my husband on our first wedding anniversary. Well, I was splayed out in a hospital with an epidural. Yes, I was drugged to the hilt. <laughs> Give me everything you've got. Um, giving birth to a child. So I did not do that. And I thought, well, you know, when I lose the baby weight, I'll do it. I'll, I'll take those photos. And then last July, this thought popped in my head and said, make that appointment for those photos now. That was my intuition speaking. And I said, that's crazy. It's probably like 25, 30 pounds of baby weight. Like, I'm not taking a picture of my, that's crazy. And <laughs> the voice said, no, do it now, make the appointment. Very calm, very quiet. Okay, and I just was in shock. I made the appointment. And here I am, all my life, I'd barely been able to look at a picture of myself without shrinking and crying. And here I am in this post-baby state about to go, like, be naked in front of a camera. Like, are you kidding me? So the voice kept saying to me, no, you're going to the appointment. Because of how many times do you think I thought of canceling that appointment? <laughs> a lot. And the voice would always say, no, time to go. Nope, the time is now. Nope. And every time that voice has spoken to me in my life, and think back in your life, every time you've heard that calm, quiet voice inside you telling you where to go and what to do, has it ever been wrong? Ever. So, because I trusted that voice, <laughs> things, things turned out well. And even though it seemed totally insane, to take those photos, I listened to my intuition, I did it, and what's more, that voice also said to me, and you're going to share that photo. <laughs> you're gonna share one of them, because this is what's true for me, this is what is right now, this is me stepping into my spotlight, and if it's all right with you, to share the photo with you. Thank you. So what this little voice had told me is when you release shame, you access your greatness and you create miracles. What inspired you to share your turning point? You know, it was uh, 
my intuition, to be honest. I, I, I write in a, a notebook every day. That's kind of how I do meditations. And I get sort of ideas and thoughts and um, feelings about what the next step might be in terms of sharing a message or giving a teaching of some sort or uh, opening up a conversation to a new level. Um, so I'd love to take credit for it, but I, I it really kind of came to me in a meditation. And something that Stacy and I had been thinking about a lot at the event was how do you how do we continue to up level the way we show up and and the kind of leadership that we're bringing and what we're embodying. And we felt like this event was a place to take it up another notch in vulnerability and presentation in engaging material and everything. And this was just, for me, what felt like a growing edge because I'd never really discussed my experience, my eating disorder as in this way or quite this vulnerably, um, especially while still having a lot of baby weight on me and it still sort of reeling from having a baby. So it was all kind of like... <laughs> pulled together into this desire and urge to to share the story. How long did it take you to come up with this concept? Was it just a, a sudden thing and you're like, boom, I've got this? Or was it something that you sort of built on over a couple months? I think it was something I built on over time. I mean, the, the, the photo shoot, it had been something that I had wanted to do since even before I met my husband. It was something I wanted to do for me. But then I met him, we started planning a wedding, we get married, and oh my gosh, I get accidentally pregnant, and just like everything, the, the, the times that I had scheduled that photo shoot, it's like, oh, okay, this isn't going to work out, I've got to reschedule this shoot, I've got to reschedule it. And then, oddly enough, about, gosh, I guess it was nine months or so after having her, it like dawned on me, like, no, I'm supposed to have this photo shoot now. Um, I'm supposed to make this appointment. I remember it was July of 2016. Um, I'm supposed to make the appointment. I'm supposed to do it. It needs to happen in September. It was like, I kind of don't know where the knowing came from. All I could say this had to be an intuition and a gut feeling um, directing me. And part of me said, well, this is crazy. Like you're not, you're probably, I mean, it, probably still 30 or 40 pounds uh, uh, from the pregnancy, uh, in addition to my, my regular body, <laughs> like, why would I take these photos now? Um, and the answer that, that I got inside, there was like sort of a fire and an anger of like, yes, now, because this, what's happening right now is just as beautiful and wonderful as what was happening in your body before you were pregnant. And the whole idea of with pregnancy of getting your body back, quote unquote, all women bounce back in different times in different ways. And there's no one right way to do it. But I do think it's challenging for women when you see some people just it's like they have a child and two weeks later they look like they never did and it's so bewildering to me <laughs> how is this physically possible because my body was so different whether it was my rib cage or like my shoulder girdle or like my wrists being bigger I couldn't get bracelets out like so much had changed that there was no possible way I was going to quote unquote, have my body back in a short period of time. And the more I started to see that, the more I started to think, you know, it is, it is absurd and sad that women are meant to feel shame about not being able to like quickly shed um, weight that was in place to help create a human being. Um, that, that that weight itself and that the, the, the promise that it carries and the creativity that it carries and the, the beauty of that flesh um, is something to be celebrated and, and not to be shamed or wished away all that quickly. Yeah, so let me get this straight. You had originally wanted to schedule this photo shoot before the baby and then you had the baby and then you were like, I'm going to do a, a photo shoot and I'm going to be in the nude. 
Um, so let's talk about this photo shoot. What was it like to get in the buff with a stranger and have <laughs> them take pictures of you? Like, did you, was it empowering or were you kind of like nervous and insecure? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got all these changes with your body and you're like, let's do this. I'm going all in. <laughs> well, the irony is, as I, as I mentioned in my story that I, I absolutely hated taking photographs of myself all my life. Like it was a real challenge um, that, and I didn't understand quite how skewed my view of myself was. Um, and so what's so interesting is like, here I am at the, the, arguably the, the, the sort of most difficult time of my life with whether it's postpartum depression or adjusting to having a baby at 41 that I, I, I didn't plan on having. And, um, my life feeling completely turned upside down. Like I just didn't know, I didn't know left from right anymore. I, I felt like a, just a shell of myself <laughs> in so many ways. But strangely, there was like this feeling of liberation that I've never felt before around my body where there was just a level of acceptance that I never, I, I've just never experienced. Um, and so as I made the appointment, I knew I was going to love the photographer, even though we, we had been in contact over the years, every time that, you know, I was going to schedule this. <laughs> and, um, when I told her, I, I said, I think I'm, I'm supposed to do it now. I think this is about celebrating this body. And she had just had a baby. Um, and she, I said, do you think that's crazy? And she said, no, I think it's really badass. Let's do it. <laughs> And I was like, all right, she's, she's going to be amazing. So when I was in her studio, first of all, she's excellent at her job. Excellent. Excellent. Cara Garbarino is her name. She's incredible in Chicago. And I felt Hannah, I mean, I was driving there, totally calm, getting there, completely calm, completely natural. I've never been so relaxed for a photo shoot in my whole life, which is like, wow, that's progress. Um, and it did not feel weird at all to be naked in front of her or, and there was another photographer there. There was a hair and makeup person. I mean, I just, and it, it's it, there were at different points in the photo shoot. I was just laughing. I was I can't believe, I, I can't believe I'm this comfortable. <laughs> Shouldn't I be feeling strange, but I don't. It's strange. Especially coming from somebody who, as an actor, you've spent a lot of time in front of the camera, you know, getting headshots updated and all of that. And then now you're doing this completely different photo shoot with a, a new body. What an empowering and scary moment. Do you recommend this to others that are sort of on the fence being like, I want to do it, but I, I don't know if my body's ready for it. Yeah. Well, I 100% recommend it, especially if you think your body's not ready for it. Because the, the thing, the thing that's sad to me, uh, both for myself and what I see in so many women that I have the privilege of working with. And by sad, I don't mean that in a condescending way. I mean that in like a, what my heart breaks for all of us in that we can't, we don't see our beauty. We see our flaws. And, and whether that's, some will say, well, it's society, it's what they teach us. It's, it's women being, you know, um, oppressed over the years. For whatever the reason is that we are in the place where we are right now, we don't see our beauty. And it's sad, we, we should. All shapes and sizes, we're stunning. And to have a photographer who can capture that in an image in a way that, you know, you may never have seen yourself before is really magical and transformative. So you've done the photo shoot and you've got these pictures. And then what? Were you automatically like, okay, I'm going to show these at the live event and that's what I'm going to do? Or did it take some time to process that? Uh, First of all, I did not tell anybody at work that I was doing this because I didn't know how it was going to turn out. And I didn't know if I would want to share any of the photos. Although a part of me knew exactly how it was going to turn out and exactly what the photo was going to look like. It's funny, there was a parallel track, the part of me that knew exactly how it was going to come down and the part of me that was hesitant. Um, but once I got the pictures back and I saw them and I was choked up. I mean, I just thought I, I've never seen myself look 
this way. And, and, um, I, I just loved them. And I thought, you know, the, the, I was looking for one particular image and I talked about the photographer with this, uh, before, for the event that I was seeing on, we have these big, big PowerPoint screens, um, at the event. Well, they're not just for PowerPoint, but they're for video and photo as well. And I was, I was seeing like this enormous, (laughs) these two on either side of the room, enormous image. Um, and when I, when I saw the photos come back and I saw the image that was in my mind in the, you know, in the, the proofs or negatives or whatever, I was like, oh my gosh. And in my heart, I knew that that's what I was going to do. But the next step for me was talking to the team about it. And it was very much like, is this crazy? Uh, should I be doing this? What do you think of this? Just to get other people's opinion, even though I really knew in my heart it, that was what was supposed to happen. So speaking of your team, how did they react? Were they excited? Were they like, are you sure you want to do this? What was their reaction? Mostly they were just taken aback, but like in an, a very good way, like, oh my God. And when I shared the picture um, itself, I just got such an amazing reaction. I decided to show a couple of friends as well. And they, my friends just started crying and they were like this, I'm so like blown away by you. Um, you completely inspired me. And I thought, Oh my God, we, you know, my friends are just, my friends are my friends. They're not in the coaching. They're not in our coaching world. They're, they're just people who, you know, I've been fortunate to be friends with for 20, 30 years. And to see them have that reaction was amazing. And to see, and Stacy was, um, was such a proponent and said, no, you absolutely have to do this. This is, and as a matter of fact, right before I went on to stay, I was totally cool, calm and collected. I really, I had not one like feeling of nervousness about telling the story and showing this photo until literally five minutes before we went on to the stage. And, and that's when I completely broke down into tears and so I was saying to Stacey, like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And she kind of had to talk me off the ledge um, and was really wonderful uh, in that moment for, for, you know, telling me I could do it. And basically she said to me, the thing that got me was she said, Carrie, you had a baby. You can do anything. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're right. That's true. <laughs> Thank you for that reminder. And I was, I, I, and on we went. <laughs> That's amazing. So before the event, before everything, after you committed to doing that, you, there wasn't a doubt in your mind up until five minutes before you went on stage? Correct. Yeah. Amazing. It was a really, really strong gut feeling about what was supposed to happen. You just got to trust that gut. Got <laughs> So how did your hubby feel about this? Well, he was completely blown away and thrilled and delighted. He, he basically had, he had stars in his eyes, which was really, really lovely to see because he's like, I just am so impressed. Like I, this is amazing what you've done and these photos. And then he just, he, when he saw the the entire set of photos, um, which I only shared the one. And I mean, there were so many beautiful ones. It was crazy. I mean, I, and he sat and looked at them with me and uh, he just was like, oh my God, this is amazing. He, 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 he loved them. And, um, and actually he was not so psyched about me sharing any of the photos to start with. He was like, I don't know about you sharing any of these. Like I kind of want them to myself. Um, and then the more we started talking about what this moment was meant to be at the event, the more he started looking at some of the photos and going, oh, that would be a really good one to share. Oh, that would be a good one to share. Oh, what about that one? And he started picking out um, the pictures. And then I, sh- I you know, ultimately um, he, I really only shared the, the one, I, I shared two, I think, from that shoot, one at the event and one on uh, Instagram. And then the rest are, were given to him as a gift for for Christmas. Oh, what a good <laughs> <laughs> um, So you're up on stage and you've shared your turning point and the picture's about to pop up. What are you thinking in that moment? Or were you even thinking? 
I was not thinking. I was instructed that moment from the my guides and spirit. There was a they said focus only on us holding your hands. And this is of course a totally non-physical hand holding, but I could like feel my hands being held. There was a whole like instruction to me on how energetically um to like how they were going to hold me through this experience. Um, and so I, I tried to focus on nothing but that and to not think at all um, and to just do it because if I stopped to think or stopped to worry or doubt, I, would have, I, I, I wouldn't have made it through that moment. And I knew what that moment needed to be in, in that photo. And the reason I went for the one that was completely naked, I mean, there were others where I had some kind of clothing on or some kind of something on, but it needed to be naked because it needed to be like a punch. That's how I wanted it to feel in the best possible way. Not in a, not in a, um, you know, the way of like a punch as brutality, but a punch as in a wake up. And I wanted it to be that impactful and to hit that hard that you couldn't possibly, that you couldn't not have a reaction once the picture popped up, did you feel any release in that moment? Mm, well, first I was relieved in that the technology worked and the picture was there. <laughs> I was like, okay, great. Um, and there was a sense of um, relief in that, okay, this image that was in my mind and that was shown to me of these, this image on these two screens in this room is happening right now. Like to see something go from, you know, something in your mind to something happening in the physical world is amazing. And I was probably shaking and numb for about four more hours. You've done this amazing thing. You've shared this very vulnerable piece of your life. Um, What did you, what did you want women who are in a similar situation, you know, dealing with stretch marks or a, totally new body shape after having a baby, what are you hoping that they learn from your experience? What I'm hoping that they learn is that, and for all of us, is that when we accept what is and see the beauty in it, um, that's when freedom comes. I feel like when we, 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 take where we are or what we are. We, we think that stretch marks or cellulite or a, a back roll or like a something is a problem. And we try to cut ourselves off from it in a way we try to hide it or we try to diet it away or we try to exercise it away. And it's not to say we shouldn't take care of ourselves, but that's different than doing something to try to cut off a part of yourself and, pretend like, or, or try to feel like uh, it's not there because somehow it's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And so to go the opposite way and to dive in to your stretch marks and to your back roll and to the extra thing on your butt and the extra piece on your thigh or the bigger wrist or the whatever it is and completely embracing it as what is and, 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 not only loving it, but flaunting it in some ways, showcasing it. Um, I, I feel like that's, it's a powerful way in which we as women get to claim beauty. And, and beauty is powerful um, as a woman. And so instead of someone letting, letting someone else dictate what beauty is going to be for us. And so much of that goes on, which is why we have so much shame saying, no, no, I make the rules. I decide what's beautiful and what's beautiful is me right now. Um, That that's really, that's liberation. That's freedom. I love that. You you said that in uh, your turning point too. beauty is a decision. Yeah. Um, And I, I, it really resonated with me and I, I know a lot of other people as well in the room. Um, so what's next for you? What do you plan to do going forward to continue pushing the idea um, that beauty is a decision and to make the decision to be beautiful? You know, um, 
I, I, I am going to, I don't know as far as more boudoir photos, but I think the sense of we're, we're an image centric society these days. And I think where my commitment lies is to use the platforms that exist and use images of all kinds of whether I'm dressed up or not dressed up or I have makeup on or I have my glasses on or I'm in yoga pants or whatever to just say like, this is what is and that what's true is beautiful. Um, and to, to, to expand that and blow that up in a way that I've not had the courage to do before on, on different platforms online. Um, so that's where I see the, the future for me and to do that, not because I'm excited about seeing myself everywhere or self-aggrandizing, but to do that because what I feel like I'm tasked with is to share that message that, that every single one of us is gorgeous. Um, you know, one of the reasons I chose the, the photographer that I did here in Chicago was the tagline for her business is every woman is an icon. And I fully believe that. And if we each can believe that about ourselves, then what are we capable of creating in the world? We're not held back by feelings of shame and I'm so ugly and I'm so fat and I have to be hidden and blah. If, if that isn't a conversation anymore in our heads, then what do we get to take all that energy that we were funneling there and what do we get to make in the world so that it's a, it's a better place for all. That's the goal. I love that. Thank you, Carrie, so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for your insightful questions and for your willingness to draw this conversation out of me, especially when I'm hesitant to have it. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Well, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Better Than Ever, a Health Coach Institute podcast. For more information on our programs, please go to www.healthcoachinstitute.com.